That's a big plan. That's a big mission. And that's what we're called to do as believers. And that should be our number one priority above anything else. Your goal in life is not to make money. Your goal in life is not to just get a boat and go to the lake every weekend. Your goal in life is not to just see your, your son and daughter go to college. Your goal in life is not to just be, be carried about with hobbies in your career. Your goal in life is about the kingdom of God. And that's the only satisfying life. And that's the only fulfilling life. And that's the only life that means anything in light of eternity. Everything else will fade away in eternity and not matter at all. Come on, I'm preaching better than you responding this morning. And so he gave us a mission and a plan, and it's a big mission, and it's for everybody. And it says, you will go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. You will be witnesses of me to the entire planet. And right now, as we speak, there is 2 billion believers on the planet. Now, there's about 7 or 8 billion people on the planet. So that means there's a big job to be done still. There's a big mission to still be uh, accomplished on the earth because God's not going to come back for people that don't know him. He's going to at least give everybody an opportunity to know him because he's a fair God. He's a righteous God. And he's going to give at least everybody an opportunity. So that means there's a lot of work to be done. Lest you say Jesus is coming back tomorrow. He's not. He's not. He's not coming back tomorrow. He's not coming back next week. He's not coming back next year. Because there's a lot of people still need to be reached. And he will not come back until everybody has a chance and an opportunity to hear the good news of the gospel. Come on, do you believe that today? So there's a big mission. Because I realize there's some believers that will talk like he's coming back tomorrow. So let's just put this thing in park and get out of here. He's not. There's a big plan. There's a big mission. There's a lot of things that need to happen before he comes back. And the people that are responsible for that is the church. The church of Jesus Christ, which you're a part of. And he says, to fulfill this mission, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit to help you do it. Because you can't do it by yourself. Now, when he told his disciples this in the Gospels, he said, I want you to do this. But before you go do this... Wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit's poured out. Because you can't do it without me. And if you try to do it without me, you'll fail. And, he, and so he said, disciples, I want you to wait in the upper room. And they waited for 50 days. Pentecost. They waited for 50 days till the Holy Spirit was poured out. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they went everywhere proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Why? Because right then and there, they received power. To be a witness. Now before that they had no power to be a witness. On top of that they had no motivation to be a witness until the Holy Spirit came upon them. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them it gave them power and motivation to be a witness. Talks about in the New Testament he will give you the desire and the power to do his will. So not just the ability to do it but the want to, to do it. He doesn't just give you the desires. He gives you the desires and the power to accomplish his will. That's good news for you and I. Give us the desires and the power to do his will. And he said, you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
But the thing is, the gospel that we preach, it's good news. Everybody say good news. The gospel is good news. Now, we hear enough bad news. We need to hear some good news. The gospel is the good news. And it's the best news in reality. Not just good news. The best news that anyone has ever heard that Jesus died for you to save you, to set you free, to heal you, to give you a new life, to give you a a start over in life. To be in a relationship with the God of the universe because of what he has done for you, that's not just good news, it's the best news. And a lot of times the people with the best news don't tell anybody. Now, I don't know how that makes sense, but the people with the best news keep their mouth shut the most. And the people with the worst news are the loudest. (laughs) Why? And I know because there's an enemy and he puts pressure on us as believers and as the church to keep our mouth shut because he realizes when we open our mouth, then that's when the freedom happens. That's when the power of God takes place. That's when people will be set free. And so he does everything he can to silence our witness. Silence our witness. He wants to silence us. That's his goal. He doesn't care that we're just good Christians who go to church and act nice to people. He doesn't care about that. He cares when we start talking about it and we start demonstrating the good news of the gospel. And the gospel that we preach is twofold. It's proclamation, but it's also demonstration. Come on now, somebody. And you know why people don't want to receive the message because they hear just talk, but they don't see anything demonstrated. But in the Bible, it says that the gospel that we preach is not just to be proclaimed, but it's to be demonstrated that it's true. And that's what you see in the New Testament. You see in the gospels. You see in the book of Acts. You see people proclaiming the gospel, but you also see them being backed up with signs following. Now, why does the sign and wonder come? Yeah, first of all, God loves them and he wants to help people. But the sign and wonder comes to back up the message that's being preached. To tell you that it's the truth. And so you can tell people God loves you all day long, but pray for them and see the healing power of God work. And then they will really know that God loves them because it's not just in proclamation, it's in demonstration. Let, tell somebody that God can help you, but then go a step further and pray deliverance over that person and see them set free by the power of God. It's not just in proclamation, it's in demonstration. And we should be believers like that. And we should be a church like that that doesn't just talk it, but we walk it. And that's not abnormal Christianity, that's Bible Christianity. And in reality, the churches that don't believe like that are the ones that are they're wrong and they're not normal. Because if you read the book of Acts, every believer in the book of Acts lived like this. If you read the New Testament, every believer lived like this. If you follow what Jesus did, it was normal to be like this. But we've come so far since then, it's abnormal to be like that. But it was normal for the believers in the Bible. And that's who we should be following. It's a gospel of proclamation and demonstration that God 
yes, it's important to preach the gospel with your words, but also God wants to show signs following. That's what it says in the New Testament. Go out and preach and heal and set people free, and the signs will follow those who believe. The signs will follow those who believe. And what does the signs do? They confirm what's being proclaimed out of your mouth. Come on, are you guys getting something this morning? So the signs follow those who believe. And God is a God of not just proclamation but demonstration. He wants to show the world his power, not just in words but in action. And he can do it. Now, I believe this 100%. We're a faith church. And we believe in faith. And we believe that you should believe God whether you feel it or not. But on the other side of it, you can feel God. And you can experience God. And you can feel his power. And God does heal. And he does deliver. And he does set free. And those two things aren't against each other. And I realize every day you're not going to wake up and have goosebumps and, and feel like you're in summer camp or at a conference. But still, God can be felt. And he can be experienced, and we don't need to forget that part of our Christianity. Because God's a God of not just proclamation, but demonstration with signs following. Signs follow. And that's what sets us apart from other religions. And that's what sets us apart from other people who can talk better than you can talk and have doctorates and degrees, but they have no power. What sets you apart is you have some power behind what you're saying. Now, that's the difference. So, we believe that. We believe that you can experience God. And I've heard this before, and this is funny. Uh, but a good preacher says some things are better felt than telt. And that's the same thing with the gospel. You can tell people, but you also need to show people. And you need to experience some things for yourself first so we're talking about we are all witnesses today and the camp theme was evidence evidence god wants to show us evidence of his power of his grace of his presence and let me read for you a second what the definition of a witness is a witness is one who gives an account of what he has seen heard or experienced a witness is one who gives an account of what he has seen, heard, or experienced. That's what a witness is. What they have seen, heard, and experienced. Now, we can't be a witness unless we have seen, heard, and experienced some things. You can't tell anybody else about what you've experienced if you haven't experienced anything. If you haven't seen anything, God hasn't ever shown you anything, you haven't ever heard anything, you haven't ever experienced anything, you can't be a witness to other people of what you haven't seen, heard, or experienced. You know, when you're in a court of law, you can't tell your testimony of what somebody else said and what somebody else heard, or what somebody else experienced. They will kick your behind out of that court and say, we don't believe you. Why? Because you didn't experience it for yourself. Well, I think that I heard that somebody said, that somebody saw. That doesn't work. It's the same way with our Christianity. You can't tell. Well, I remember what Dr. Jacob said one time about hearing from God. No, it doesn't work. 
I remember what my parents or grandparents said one time or my friend said one time or what my pastor said one time. doesn't work. You can only be a witness to what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've experienced. That's the only way you can be a witness. And so we can't be a witness if we've never witnessed anything. And God wants to give us evidence of his power and his goodness in our life. You know, when we talk about the word witness or evangelism, collectively in most churches, there's a sigh of really, again, do we have to talk about this? In most churches. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's the most important thing we could talk about, but nobody wants to talk about it. People almost get annoyed about it. No, no, why is that? Now, I know there's an enemy who tries to make you feel that way about it, but it's bigger than that. It's because we haven't seen, heard, or experienced enough for us to be a witness. And when you start talking about it, nobody wants to talk about it because we're all convicted because we don't live like that. I'm talking to myself too. And then we look around us and there's empty seats around us and we're like, yeah, what you're saying is right. I don't do it, but you're right. And so we don't want to talk about it, but we need to talk about it. Because it's the most important message and revelation that you could ever get. Because there's one thing that you're called to do, and it's to be a witness of him in the earth. The Holy Spirit came to give you, notice, power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. Beyond anything else, it didn't just say power to pray in tongues. Power to run laps. Power to fall out under the power of God. Power to have spiritual gifts. No, it says the number one thing he gave you, power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. That's what he's called us to be. But notice a lot of us when that subject comes up, evangelism, tell people about Jesus, be a witness. Everybody's like, "Ah, really? Do we have to talk about that again? But I want to throw some ideas out to you today about that. A witness is one who gives an account of what they've seen, heard, or experienced. If you experience something really good, nobody has to tell you to tell somebody about it. Now, that's why I question a lot of us in here, including myself, maybe we haven't experienced any of God in a long time if we're not telling anything about it. Maybe we haven't seen, heard, or experienced anything recently, and that's why we're not talking about it. Because if we did, it would just naturally flow out of your mouth. Because you don't got to beg somebody to tell about something that's good. Let me give you a couple examples. If you eat at a really good restaurant, I'm not talking about McDonald's or Arby's. I'm talking about a really good restaurant. Nobody has to tell you to tell about that restaurant. Isn't that true? As soon as it's over on Facebook, you're telling everybody, oh my gosh, I had the best meal. You're texting people. You're calling people. You're telling them, oh, this restaurant is amazing. Oh my gosh, this is the best food I ever had. And they didn't tell you on the way out, hey, be a witness of us. Tell us about somebody. Come on. Be a witness. No pressure, but witness about me. When something's so good You talk about it to other people and nobody has to force you to do it. Isn't that true? 
Why? Because you heard something, you saw something, you experienced something. Now, who likes music in here? Who likes music in here? I like music. I play music. A lot of you don't even know I play music. But I, I played acoustic guitar. I played guitar most of my life. I've, I've sang. I've done music a lot of my life, and I love music. You know, when you go to a good concert, and the lighting was amazing, and the fog machine made you closer to heaven, and the singer's vocals were just outstanding, and the music was just the best thing you ever heard, nobody has to tell you to tell anybody about that concert. You will tell everybody. You will put pictures up on Instagram till we want to unfollow you. We're like, okay, we get it. You went to the concert. And nobody has to tell you to do that. Why? Because it was so good. And you'll text people. You'll call people about it. Why? Because what you saw and what you heard and what you experienced was so good, you couldn't keep it to yourself. And in reality, right then, you were a witness of that band. You were a witness of that restaurant. Some of you like sports. I like sports. I love basketball. When you watch a good basketball game, a good basketball game, you watch the NBA Finals with the Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it's going back and forth, and Steph Curry and LeBron James, and all these people playing, and the game is intense, and you stay up way past your bedtime because you can't turn the TV off. you got to watch the game. The next day, what are you talking about to every person you see at work? Oh, did you see the game? Oh, my gosh. LeBron James, Steph Curry, did you see that play? Did you see that three-pointer? Did you see that dunk? Were you watching the game? Nobody had to tell you to, to mention that to anybody. Why? Because you saw some things, you heard some things, and you experienced some things. And they were so good, you couldn't keep your mouth shut about it. Come on, isn't that the truth today? And in reality, right then in that, in that time, you were a witness of that game. And that's why I want to say to you guys today, maybe that's what we're missing here because... If we experienced the goodness of God, if we saw the goodness of God, if we heard the goodness of God, it would just come out of us. Nobody would have to force us. We wouldn't do, have to do a monthly evangelism talk at church to push people and condemn people and make people feel guilty enough to invite your friends to church, for goodness sakes. Why? Because you saw some things, you heard some things, you experienced some things, and it was so good, you had to tell about it. And that's what a witness does. A witness, and that's what he's called us to be, a witness of him, is one who gives an account of what they've seen, heard, and experienced. And that's what we should be because we've experienced, we've seen, we've heard the goodness of God. And not somebody else's story, but our story. What God has done in our life. Now let's look at Acts 4 and verse 13. Acts 4 and verse 13. You guys get something today. Acts 4 and verse 13. We're going to read in the New Living Translation. Now, uh, during this period of time... Uh, Peter and John 
had seen healings take place. They were healing people just like Jesus healed people. And the Roman government was scared of them. The Roman government was the most powerful uh, government in authority on the earth at that time. And they were scared of these early believers. And not because they had more weapons than they did or more people. It's because they were walking in the power of God. And they could not deny that it was true. Why? Because there was evidence of what they were believing was the truth. And so in Acts 4 and verse 13, it says, The members of this council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They were amazed when they saw the boldness. Why? Because if you were facing the Roman government, knowing that you could be killed, you could be crucified, most people would be backpedaling on what just happened here. Most people would be acting like, I don't know Jesus. Healing? That wasn't me. That was somebody else. But these men, Peter and John, were bold in the face of persecution. Knowing that they could even lose their life if they admitted to being a part of healing this man. And they saw the boldness of Peter and John for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scripture. And they also recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. You know, that's so important that beyond anything else, that people, they recognize that on your life and on my life. Maybe they don't know how to describe it. Maybe they don't understand it. But people, wherever we go, should recognize that we had been with Jesus. Now, maybe they don't know how to say that, but they, they'll say, you know, there's just something about you. I don't know what's about you, but there's something different about you. Seems like you walk in some power. It seems like there's peace about you. It seems like there's joy about you. It seems like there's something different about you. I've even heard people say, there seems like there's just like a a light about you. Now, what are they saying? They are recognizing you have been with Jesus. And these early believers and early disciples of Jesus, it said they had no special training. Are you hearing me this morning? They had no special training. That's not why people's attention. No special training, no seminary, no Bible college. What they had was an experience with Jesus. They saw some things, they heard some things, and they experienced some things, so they were a witness of the things that they saw, heard, and experienced. These men, their Bible school was being with Jesus for three years, seeing him do miracles, seeing him heal the sick, seeing them raise the dead, and they saw some things, and they heard some things, and they experienced some things. So once he went to be with his Father in heaven, they said, well, we can do these things. Jesus said we could. And we're going to do the same things that he did, and they started doing them. Notice, with no education, with no Bible school background, but they had been with Jesus. That's how easy it is to be a witness. We overcomplicate things, especially in the Western world where we live in. We overcomplicate things. Like you have to have a Bible college degree. you got to be a pastor. You know, you have to know all the scriptures to tell people about Jesus or be a witness. No, the only thing they recognized about them were they had been with Jesus. 
And why did they realize they had been with Jesus? Because they were doing the same things that Jesus did when he was here in earthly form. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there, notice they saw him. They saw the man that was healed. They saw some things. They heard some things. They experienced some things. There was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and confirmed among them. What should we do with these men, they asked. We cannot deny that they have performed a miraculous sign. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading the propaganda any further, notice that, jump down. They told him not to speak in or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John said this, do you not think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? Verse 20, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and we have heard. You realize today, even though it's 2,000 years later, people say the same thing. You can say anything you want about any religion. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You know why? There's no power. Say what you want. Get the atheist on TV. Nobody cares. Get the Muslim on TV. Nobody cares. Get the Buddhist on TV. Nobody cares. Get a Christian who says the name of Jesus on TV. Everybody cares. Oh, my gosh. You can't say that. Now, why is that? There's power behind that name. And power intimidates the enemy. Power intimidates the world. Power intimidates the darkness. That's why you can say any name you want to say on the news, and they don't care. But if you say the name of Jesus, then you have a problem, and you're wrong. But say any other false gods you want all day long, not a problem. Why did they outlaw the Bible in praying in schools? Power. Power. Why did a lot of places where you work at say, well, don't talk about Jesus when you're here because there's power. There's power behind that name. And notice 2,000 years ago, the Roman government knew that enough. It says you can do whatever you want, but just don't preach and teach about Jesus. Just don't talk about Jesus. Just don't do what Jesus did because there's power in that name. And they realized that there would be signs following that power in that name. And they even said, we can't deny it because they saw a man healed. The whole city saw it. And it says, we can't deny that this happened. And they weren't even believers. We can't deny that this happened. So to try to keep it quiet, you guys can't speak about this. You can't talk about Jesus. Why? Because there's power. But I love their response. And this should be your and I's response. They said in verse 20, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Are you hearing me this morning? When somebody tries to shut you down at school, don't be disrespectful, but say, I can't help it. 
Because I've seen too much, I've heard too much, and I've experienced too much. If your boss wants to say a comment to you, will say, I appreciate it, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I can't keep my mouth shut about what I've seen and heard and experienced. And why is it okay to talk about everything else but Jesus? You could even say an inappropriate joke at work and not get in trouble for it. But you say, Jesus, oh, let's talk to the boss about it. Because there's power behind that word. And I'm asking you today that we need to be like this. We need to see some things, hear some things, experience some things. And I know most of you have in this church. By your faces right now, you're saying you haven't, but you have. Trust me. Remember back right now. You've seen some things. You've heard some things. You've experienced some things. And that should make you say, I can't keep quiet about this. Because you're responsible for what you've seen, heard, and experienced. And you are a witness of that. A lot of you have experienced that. And you know what people need to know? What you've seen, heard, and experienced. Because a lot of them don't know that there is any hope. There is anything different from where they're living. But they need somebody to speak up and say, no, I've saw some things. I heard some things. I've experienced something that's different from where everybody else is living here. But I love what they said. We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. When the gospel grabs your heart... In that kind of way, you can't help it. And nobody has to force you. Nobody has to guilt you into doing something. You can't help it. Why? Because you've seen, heard, and experienced some things. And I say this today. Not in a condemning way, but in a convicting way. Maybe you need to see, hear, and experience some things again. Because that's why we're not speaking up. Because the Bible says if you have, you can't keep quiet about it. Just like a restaurant you can't keep quiet about. A a basketball game you can't keep quiet about. A concert you can't keep quiet about. When you've experienced the goodness of God, you can't keep quiet about it. It's not just in proclamation, but demonstration. And I love it. It says that we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. We're witnesses to that. All of you are witnesses to that. Now, how many people in here, how many, how many in here would say, God has healed me before in my life? Raise your hand. How many people in here would say, well, God has delivered me at least more than once in my life? I'm seeing almost every hand go up. You have a story to tell. You've seen some things. You've heard things. You've experienced some things. How many know for a fact that you've been protected by angels before? You've had the protection power of God. Raise your hand. See, some of you think you don't have anything to share. Some of you think you don't have a story to tell. But you do. And I know most of us, for those times who raised our hand, there's multiple times after that one time we raised our hand. That God has done those things. How many have, have been saved? You received Jesus into your heart. He changed you into a new person. 
How many have been delivered from addictions in your life? You had addictions and God set you free. We've all seen some things. We've all heard some things. We've experienced some things. But, you know, the enemy tries to cloud over that. Make you forget about that. Make you forget about all the things that God has done in your life. So you keep your mouth shut. Because he realizes that's the way that we change the world. That's the way we see the world reaches when we open up and we tell what we've seen, heard, and experienced. And we're all witnesses to that. We're witnesses of what we've seen, heard, and experienced. Now, today, I want to share a few more things with you before we close. You know, thinking about this, there is um, Peter and John who, who prayed for these people who got healed, got delivered. You see it all through the book of Acts. But Peter, before he was filled with the Holy Spirit, was denying Jesus openly to people. I don't know who he is. But something happened between then and the book of Acts. And it was the Holy Spirit. The same Peter who denied Jesus to a young girl is the same Peter who got up in front of 3,000 people, saw them saved that day. Same Peter. The difference is the Holy Spirit, notice, gave him power to be a witness. Power to be a witness. That's the number one thing the Holy Spirit came to do. And that's the least talked about thing in church. Power to be a witness. Power to pray in tongues? Yes. Power to have gifts of the Spirit? Yes. But power to be a witness. And I realize a lot of us keep quiet is because we're afraid. We're afraid of what people will say. We're afraid of what people will think. We're afraid. But let me tell you another scripture in Timothy. It says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But what does he give you? Power and love in a sound mind. So it means the enemy tries to come bring you fear, but God says, I've given you another spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will give you power and love in a sound mind. Come on, are you guys still following me this morning? You get something today. So we don't speak up a lot of times because of fear. Or we want to fit in with everybody. If I talk to my coworker about this, what are they going to say? Am I not going to be in the in crowd anymore? Are people going to make me an outcast? People going to think I'm a weird Christian at work or at school in my neighborhood? Well, when there's power to go behind what you're saying, it will make a difference. Now, it's funny. I mentioned this at camp. We talked about uh, high school and middle school. Now, I know some of you are older in here, but you can still remember, remember back to high school and middle school. The social pressure in high school and middle school. Anybody remember that? The jocks sit at one table. The emo kids sit at one table. The nerds sit at one table. The social pressure at middle school and high school to just fit in with everybody, to not miss any of the important homecoming games, or your life is completely over. I learned it's not. We talked about that some at camp. But you know, just because you're not in middle school, high school, or college anymore doesn't mean there's still not social pressure on you to keep your mouth shut. With the media, 
with people that are more outspoken than you, with pressure with your coworkers, with your neighbors to fit in and just be a nice, sweet person. They don't have a problem with you being a nice, sweet Christian. They just don't want you to talk. <laughs> I said this at camp. Now, this is funny. You'll get a kick out of this. Now, in high school, no comments. You, no comments. I already know she's going to say something. Okay. Promise? Okay. In high school, I wasn't that bad of a kid. Amen. Okay. Not meaning I didn't do anything wrong, because I did. But I'm saying, you know, I wasn't, you know, at the crazy parties, getting drunk, smoking weed, you know, doing stuff like that. I, I had enough fear of God and fear of my father in me to not do that. Sometimes more fear of my father than anybody. Because I realized he used to be a drug addict. So if I came in this house smelling like anything, he would know it as soon as I walked through the door. So uh, there is fear of God, but there's more fear of dad in me to, to stay on the straight and narrow. So, you know, I wasn't just living this crazy life, you know, partying, drinking, just being, you know, ridiculous in high school. But I also wasn't, you know, the best kid either. Um, you know, I egged a few things in my life. Um, and uh, stuff like that. You know, I said a couple smart comments to teachers before. Uh, I'm not telling your kids to do that, but I did a few things like that. But it's funny, all these years later, um, there were several people that ran into people that used to go to school with me recently. Multiple people. And every person was like, you know, talking about church, you know, how's church, you know, how's it going, you know, how's Jordan doing, is he still there? And every person that responded back was like, yeah, um, Jordan Jacobs, he's the pastor. And everybody was like, oh, the youth pastor, that's cool. And like, no, like the, the pastor pastor, the lead pastor. The thing is, every person that heard that was shocked. And I was like, really? Really? Is it that big a stretch? You guys are acting like I was out robbing banks or something in high school. Come on now. I was like, Jordan Jacobs, really? He's the pastor? Oh, my gosh. I'm like, come on. It wasn't that big of a stretch, guys. Don't act like that. And we're not talking just one person. We're talking multiple people. Jordan Jacobs is a lead pastor? Are you kidding me? I'm thinking... Come on, guys. Did everybody really think that bad of me in high school? I figured out something. I figured it out. I figured it out. It came to me. And pertaining to being a witness. I realized in high school, I was neutral. I didn't say anything either way. So because I didn't say anything, people assumed... Just because the people I hung out with or the way I appeared that I was a certain type of person when I, when I wasn't. I was a neutral. And I realized, well, why would all these people be acting so shocked? It's because I didn't speak up. And I was telling uh, some of the young people at camp, if we could turn back time, the biggest regret I have in middle school and high school is not speaking up. 
like I should have. Because I was just in neutral. But we all can be honest in here. That's where a lot of us live every day. He said, well, I'm not, I'm not in the clubs. I'm not acting crazy. I'm not in the world. Yeah, but you're not saying anything either. So people assume whatever they want to assume about you. And people don't know what you know, and you have the answers in you the whole time, but you're keeping quiet because you care too much about what people think. And it's fear. Whether you're 14 or 45, you still have fear of what people think about you when they need to hear what you have to say. They need the answer that you have on the inside of you. They need the same experiences that you've had in your life. And notice all these years later, people are shocked. Why? Because I didn't speak up. And even in high school, I have seen some things, heard some things, and experienced some things, and I didn't say it because of fear. And I regret that now. Because a lot of times we won't get that opportunity back with those people. There's some people you went to high school, college with, you'll never see again. You had an opportunity. There's some people you work with right now that you won't work with ever again. You got an opportunity. God sent you there for a reason. There's people you, you go to school with or you live by right now and you got a window of opportunity to speak up. Let's not regret it because of fear. You know, there's a, kind of a movement today. and It's been around for a long time. This is nothing new, but a lot of people talk about the power of your story. The power of your story. Not just Christian people, but even the secular world talk about the power of story. The movies you remember, why do you remember them? Because there are a powerful story behind it. It wasn't just because they had good actors or just they had, you know, a movie that you liked, the, the genre, whether that was comedy or action or whatever it was. The reason you love those movies the way you love them is the story. There's power in story. You realize for thousands and thousands of years before people were writing down things, all they had was story. All the traditions and all the stories from the Bible were passed down through words. People weren't writing them down in notebooks for years and years. It was passed down through story. Traditions were passed down through story. The Bible was uh, uh, passed down through story. And the story is powerful. The power of story. They, they also talk about, you know, the, uh, the brands that succeed are the ones who have a good story. Whether that's Coca-Cola or Apple or Disney, whatever it is, the brands that succeed are ones who have a story. If you don't have a story... People don't care the product you have. You have to have a good story behind it. But there's power in story. Are you hearing me this morning? But the most powerful story that you can ever tell is yours. And nobody can tell your story the way you tell your story. Nobody can tell your testimony the way that you can tell your testimony. Nobody can tell your message the way that you tell your message because it's yours. And you experienced it yourself. You heard some things. You saw some things that nobody else can tell like you can tell. 
And all of you in here have a story to tell that people need to hear. The world needs to hear it. Your coworkers need to hear it. Your school needs to hear it. The people you live around need to hear it because they're looking for somebody to speak up and show them that there's another way to live. And you have power in your story. And nobody can tell your story like you can tell. And we need to stop waiting to get behind this pulpit and live in the pulpit we have every day, which is where God has graced us to be. Whether that's at your work or at your school or in your neighborhood or at the gym or at the park or, or in the store, wherever you go, that is your pulpit. Stop waiting to get behind this because God's given you something different. And guess what? You don't need a pastor there for permission to tell your story. You don't need some other ministry gift there to help you tell your story. You can do it. And there's people that you will reach that other people can't reach. There's people that you will relate to that other people can't relate to. There's people that you say, well, I need you to talk to them. No, God put them in your life for a reason. Because he gave you favor with that person to talk to them. We all have a story to tell, and it's powerful. The power of story. You know, in um, Acts 2, let's turn over there and read in verse 32. And the story is as easy as this. What has God done in your life? And don't tell me nothing, because that's not the answer. You're lying if you say that. Nothing. I don't know. Wrong. <laughs> God's done a lot in all of your lives. You're being dishonest when you say stuff like that. I don't know. Nothing. No, God's done a lot. From the front to the back, every person in here, youngest to oldest, God has done so much for you healed you, delivered you, set you free, giving you air in your lungs just to be able to wake up today, for starters. Giving you people around you that love you, a church family that loves you. He's given you relationships. God has done so much. Your story is just as easy as what has God done in your life. That's the most powerful thing that you can ever share with somebody. Is your testimony, your story. You know, people can argue with you about other things, but they can't argue with you about your story because they weren't there. Nobody can tell your story that it didn't happen. Nobody can argue with your story or your testimony because you experienced it yourself. That's why it's powerful. Because people try to argue about the existence of God and let's argue about this and that. And do you really need a church? Do you really need God? Do you? But they can't argue with the story. They can't argue with the testimony. In Acts 2 in verse 32, it says, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Verse 33, now he exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he promised, gave the Holy Spirit to us. Just as you see and hear, 
today. As you see in here today. Well, today as we close, I think that some of you need to hear and see and experience some things for yourself again. Maybe it's been a long time since you've experienced that. And after you experience that, I'm believing like never before that you'll just be like these early disciples were. I can't keep quiet about what we've seen, heard, and experienced. God has been so good to me. You're way too quiet for a Pentecostal church right now. God has been way too good to me to be quiet about it to other people. There is too many people that need so much help for me to be selfish and keep it to myself. Because we are all witnesses of what we've seen, heard, and experienced. You know, we're talking about evidence was our camp theme. In reality, us as believers, we are the evidence that God is real. You are the evidence that God still heals. You are the evidence that God still delivers. You are the evidence that God is still a good God. You are the evidence that God can change impossible situations around. You are that evidence. He uses his church, the body, to be evidence of his work on the earth. That's what God has called us to be. That's our highest calling. That's our number one calling. Is to be the evidence, to be witnesses of what he has done in our life. Hopefully today you'll, you'll leave remembering what God has done in your life. 